That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion Hey, so fellas, I recently watched uh, the David Fincher movie, The Killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fassbender looks like he weighs like, I don't know, 90 pounds. He's, he's cut. I'm not sure why that's necessary for that role, but yeah. D- did yeah, you watch the movie or you just saw the trailer? I did see, I saw the movie, yeah. All right, so those of you who haven't seen the movie, he's an assassin, but it's kind of realistic a lot of mundanity to it. He's by himself for just long hours at a stretch playing the waiting game. He's just a weird cow's creep. But what does he do to focus his mind, to kill the time? Uh, he listens to one band and one band only, Morrissey's The Smiths. Mm. Uh, I got a chuckle out of that. It does make me want to attack people when I'm listening to The Smiths. We do have a guest. This fella, well, I mean, for starters, we are lifelong friends he is also one of the most inventive uh musicians i've ever met formerly of the band color book great band go check them out I believe all their stuff is up on Bandcamp. that probably is the best place to listen to them currently of the band ouija uh, they just did a session for wfmu if you want to check that out and they just had a record come out i believe they just played a um a, a release show at tvi uh we have here today Adam Kasten. Adam, thank you for joining us. Hello. Hey, Adam. Hello, Thomas. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I got to start off here with something. We, we, we did a, a podcast, I don't know, a month or so ago. We were talking about Zappa. And our conversation was, we love hot rats and nothing else. Who doesn't? We sort of have no <laughs> way. We have no way of approaching anything else. I, I was telling Adam the other night on the phone, like, someone said, hey, you should listen to Thing Fish. Uh, and that was a bad idea because <laughs> that just chased me that, away. That is far and away the worst recommendation <laughs> out of his entire discography. It couldn't have been a worse, worse thing to tell someone to listen to if you're trying to get into Frank Zappa. There's a lot. There's a wide breadth of stuff. Thingfish. Yeah. It's it's a it's a fake opera. <laughs> it, there are all these songs that are just bizarre and like if you don't know the context, they they could be very off putting. It scared me. I'll, I'll and, be honest, it scared me. We actually used to call Thomas. This is inside information here. We used to call Adam Zappa back in high school. Did he have the Zappa hair like he does now? He looked a little bit like right, a little bit okay. of a Zappa look, yeah. and he also really was into Frank Zappa. And there were not many people in our in our area who were into Zappa. So I believe we're talking to the right person today. If you were going to give us a record or two to kind of address that concern we had of like, what's the door into this man's music? Where should we go that isn't (laughs) Thing Fish? Knowing that that we love hot rides. Right. First of all, don't listen to anything from the 1980s because it's not going to appeal to your sensibility. It's very inside baseball by that time. Like Zappa fans who have been fans for a long time will sort of get it and understand it. And he had those crossover hits. But to me, if you're into like Zappa with some soul and grit and some like kick-ass tunes, (laughs) the 1980s isn't where I would start at all. What, the Synclavier period? The Synclavier period, yeah. G-Spot Tornado. That's, no, just don't start there. 
my my first recommendation for that for sure would be the Grand Wazoo uh. because despite this silly title, it is basically a continuation of Hot Rats. I have it right here. I will show you. Oh, it's, right there to the side. Oh, handy. That's yeah, beautiful. It's a wonderful record. It's got some silly fun art on it, but really it is a killer sort of jazz fusion album in the vein of Hot Rats. There's no beef heart singing, but you get the idea. Hmm. But for me, and I know you guys are really in, you love the craft of pop music. Like you love that. And Zappa, believe it or not, has that in him. What I would recommend to anybody in the whole world, like if they're saying, hey, if I want to listen to Frank Zappa, let me check something out. What do you got? We're only in it for the money. 100%. That is the best composed, performed, interesting. You know, it says a lot about the 60s psychedelic era that is like actually has some substance to it. Uh, either freak out or we're only in it for the money. And this, by the way, is not Frank Zappa on the cover. You got that right on hand, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were ready. That, this is Jimmy Carl Black and the other guys, and he's back here. On the inside, it's a parody of Sgt. Pepper, uh, which is probably a more interesting cover, but the Beatles people mm. said no. So that's how that happened. And, of course... Of course. <laughs> of course. Yep, there's Freak saying. Out. Freak Out. It's got some great tunes on it. Um, I don't know. It's not Hot Rats, but it's, to me, if you're asking for the recommendation, I'd say that's a better place to start. It's more probably, accessible. We're probably due for a, a part two at some point. Certainly yeah. sounds like you'd be a, an authority. But that's that's not what we're doing today. No. 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 <laughs> uh, on, on the highly esteemed music podcast here, Losing My Opinion. We are esteemed. I... Am, Our minds. I am parking ticket appealing Ooh. indie artist Niagara Moon. Get this. I get a piece of mail today from the city of Boston. Mind you, I live two hours away from them. Mm. Uh, an overnight parking fine from Halloween. Mm. I was not in the city of Boston that night. My car was not in the city of Boston that night. Of course, there's nobody to call or talk about it. I emailed my whatever, but we'll, we'll see what happens in three to four business months uh, when it oh. gets reviewed. They're doing the best they can. Look, folks, look, I'm Boston-loving indie musician. Are you now? Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo. And I, I've I don't always th- loved Boston. I've, I've always, everyone that knows me knows that I love... Uh, you love your chowder. City agencies of Boston, specifically the city agencies. So <laughs> if you have any of that parks department, transportation money coming in, you guys need PR, we're here for you. On, on what is the show? What is the show that we're doing now? Uh, it's Losing My Opinion. We're coming in here today to share songs with each other. The other person or people have no idea what to expect. We're all going in blind, trying to surprise each other. We have our very special guest today, Adam Kasten, on with us. And uh, I'm going to kick things off. I'm going to do the first segment today. Very excited to share this with y'all. Uh, we'll dive right in. Was it holiday um, themed today or no? It's not holiday themed. Uh. I am wearing Hanukkah colors. <laughs> <laughs> Got to paint the picture here. But uh, no, it's it's not holiday themed. We did holiday songs before last year. It's 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 difficult. It's it's oddly slim pickings. Yeah. Depending on your taste, but I'm talking about something else today that we have sort of touched on in a weird way, or kind of wrestled with the concept of previously. Disney songs, songs for Disney movies. Okay. That's that's oh a topic du jour. Not feeling hyped, I got to tell you. 
<laughs> no, no. I, I'm not a Disney fan myself too much. I've, I've seen a fair amount of the movies, but I'm, I'm not a Disney adult. Uh, if I'm watching one, it's probably with my wife and we're both only half paying attention. You know, I, I saw some of them when I was a kid and that was fun and all, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the target demo. But oddly, I realized this recently, I feel like I have an intuition. I have a sense of what makes for a good Disney song, an appropriate Disney song, a fitting Disney song in a movie versus an inappropriate Disney song. There, there's certain movies that have certain artists contributing uh, tracks and it doesn't, it feels weird to me. And I, I wanna, so basically what I'd like to do today is bring in some examples of that, see how the two of you feel, if you agree, if you disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can, can kind of put our finger on why a song, even if it gets released as part as as part of a Disney film, might not work, might not fit. And you say inappropriate, you just mean doesn't work for a just cartoon. Does, it's inappropriate. Yeah, the it doesn't work for a cartoon. I'm not saying they have curse words in them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and all the by the way, these songs I'm going to share, not all of them I would say are bad or that I don't like. They're just I don't know why they got greenlit to be in a in a feature length, you know, main mainline mainstream Disney film. It's a, it's a weird art. And I, and I know that I brought up Harry Nilsson a bunch of episodes back as a great Disney legend who never was. And I stand by that. I think somebody like Harry Nilsson has the taste, the sensibility, the sound to do a fantastic job on a Disney soundtrack. Other artists, you know, I'm not so sure. You, you're not bringing in any Randy Newman today, right? No, Randy Newman is perfect. He's a perfect example of a oh, Dis- is, Disney legend. Oh, he is, but like it's almost just not fair. There are many people that you know who have contributed to Disney movies, but um, how many more of them have you never heard of or anything like that? You know, it's Randy Newman is like a is so top tier when it comes yeah. to that kind of a thing. He's a great shining example of what I'm talking about with it. Even if I don't like the music, even if I don't end up liking the songs, because you know I don't love a lot of musicals. I don't. A lot of Disney movies in general are a little too formulaic, a little too saccharine sweet for me. But I recognize that the whoever they hired, whether it was Elton John. Phil Collins. Phil Collins, whoever. A lot of artists, they, they showed up for the assignment, and you can you know respect that. With other artists, it gets a little questionable. And I thought it would just be fun today to see if we can uh, put a magnifying glass up to that a little bit more, see, see if we can figure out what the do's and don'ts are. Of being a Disney artist. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea who that is behind you. It looks like a llama. Uh, it's David Spade. It's David Spade. Uh, the first that? movie we're going to look at. Yeah, he Adam knows what's up. We're going to talk about The Emperor's New Groove to start out here. Okay, never seen it. But I don't know what you think of it, but I, I love that movie. It's my favorite Disney movie. Wow. Which oh, tells fantastic. you what I think about Disney movies. Well, but... You're both coming in hot right on the gate. I've never seen this movie this is... It's legitimately funny. I'm I'm outing myself here. It's, it's a bu- it's a buddy comedy that evolves a lot of the Disney tropes because if you like look into the making of it, it was supposed to be an entirely different movie, like an epic drama, just like big scale takes itself seriously kind of film that just did not work. And like they just to save their asses instead of shelving the project, they made it just like a cheap, short, to the point, like buddy comedy. David Spade and, and John Goodman. Okay. Uh, and you got Patrick Warburton in there, and that's it's. Oh yeah, Putty. And I was Love six, you know, when I saw it, because it came out the perfect time for me. 
So Emperor's New Groove, that's, that's where we're starting. Sting was initially supposed to do the whole score or, you know, all the songs for like the musical that never was, that became the Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, we're getting a thumbs down from, from Longo. Uh, we don't like solo sting. I feel like that goes without saying. <laughs> I don't want to hear his fretless bass all over a <laughs> cartoon. No, thank you. There's never been anything outside the police that has even remotely interested me besides the fact that he's into tantric sex. <laughs> yep. That and Dune. The, the yep. Words right out of my brain. Yep, that's exactly where I, <laughs> I sit on the issue. There is a little bit of a, a qualifier here. It was The song I'm about to show you was written for a different kind of film, and ultimately, it just became relegated to like playing over the credits after the movie was over. It's kind of a tonal whiplash sort of effect, I think, because the musical numbers that you do have in the movie are very bright, funny. Uh, you got Tom Jones doing mm-hmm. his thing in the beginning. You know, Eartha Kitt is a, a voice actor in the film. Oh, she yeah. plays Yzma, and she, she gets to do her thing. So it's a lighter, kind of jazzier feel. But then you get Sting coming in. For the credit song, this is just a for me. I think it's a big turd, but <laughs> I'd be curious to have the two of you weigh in on it here. This the song is called "My Funny Friend and Me." I would argue they should have just left this one out too. Call the whole thing a loss, but okay. uh, you can see what you think. Never heard. I'm coming in cold, so you got a good audience with me. It's one of those movies that is just. It has this certain tone that you feel. And you feel good with it throughout the whole thing, and it doesn't let up, and it's sort of succinct. I don't know. There, it doesn't have that sort of saccharine quality that a lot of other Disney movies have that sort of make you feel, like, sentimental, like, in a way that feels very disingenuous. Yes. <laughs> like, is that... That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it, it can't afford to take itself seriously. It comes very close to, like, Shrek. Yeah. Uh, side note, we should definitely do an episode on the Shrek soundtrack. That's a doozy. Anyway, without further ado, uh, My Funny Friend and Me from The Emperor's New Groove. And again, I'm trying to imagine what kind of movie this would have fit into. <sighs> Quiet time of evening. That's tight. When the stars assume <laughs> their patterns, and the day has made his journey. Oh, I have a little chromaticism there. That's yeah. nice. That chord right there. I don't understand what I'm supposed to be feeling listening to this. Right? It doesn't does not represent the film in the slightest. It sounds like a, an existential crisis from like 1998. Would it have fit in any version of this movie, or is he just imposing his own like adult-oriented pop bullshit and not really showing up for the assignment? This sounds like something he just had. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. All right. 
I really so it sounds like hate those. Chord we're changes. all on the same page. Those <laughs> are like chord changes where it's like music for music's sake. You know what I mean? Like a Jacob Collier yeah. thing, where it's just like I can do that, so I'll do it. You know, it's like all right. So what? <laughs> See what I did there? It's something that it just sounds like it was made to play in a supermarket at night, like twenty five years <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah, and it does. I I don't remember that being in the movie. It, like, is that? In the beginning, or the no, end? it plays on what the end. The movie finishes. It plays on the end bam, credits. Ending credits. Stink. That song starts. It plays when everyone is left yeah, the theater. It plays as you're. It's like the last taste in your mouth. As when you're you, in the car driving home, it plays that. Oh my god! I guess they had to put it somewhere if they paid for Sting to do it. Mm. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. Well, that's a downvote right. from us. All right. So that fell on its face. Cruising into this next choice here, mind you, these are all going to be from like the early 2000s. This next one is from 2005. I haven't seen this movie. I was old enough to be avoiding a lot of the, you know, I was more of a Pixar man by this point. I was, I was doing the Incredibles, the Nemo. Mm -hmm. I didn't need, I didn't need this next movie, Chicken Little. I wasn't doing that shit. Yeah. Oh. Adam, you seen this one? Oh yeah. (laughs) I don't remember. I, I literally, I remember the, the, what is it? Like the, the trailer and stuff, but I could have seen it. I have younger siblings. So I, but I'm not here to comment on the movie. I haven't seen it. I'm talking about a song from it called One Little Slip. By the way, I'm, I'm only choosing songs specifically written for the films, not like songs that preexisted that like a music supervisor just chose to put in the movie. Like they, this song is written for this right. Disney film. Uh, it's by the band Bare Naked Ladies. Interesting. Get the fuck out of here. Very interesting. I've never really heard the Bare Naked Ladies. Obviously, that yeah, uh, band name catches your ear. No, what what have I heard by them? Adam, help me. What's chicken? That's China, literally the Chinese down. chicken. You eat a drumstick and the brains do chicken. Watch the next files. You know that. Yeah, I, everybody knows. It's been it's one been week since you looked at me. You never heard that. <laughs> Let's yeah. say I have heard of that. Oh, I don't know what that is. I don't know what to make of that. Like, what the fuck are those guys? I assume what, what's you're a genre? Big Bang Theory fan. Yeah, yeah, big, big, big Bang Theory fans on this show. Uh, their genre? That's a great question. It's what like, are they? Like, I don't know what to. I don't know. I know they're Canadian. That that might be about it. Like, geez, I don't know. I don't how to know. Pin it's like down. if Weird Al wasn't funny. Was writing his own. Wasn't funny and was writing his own music exclusively. But worse than that. <laughs> All right. They they kind of fall in with like somewhere in in that weird sort of jamish spin doctors mm. slash blues traveler except they're a little more poppy. I think they started in that sort of scene because I think those bands are Canadian. Yeah, they they made a song for Disney. Uh, I heard a little bit of this. I'm not here to say that the song is terrible. Again, I don't really I don't know if, enough about the ladies to to make statements one way or the other, but. I'm, I'm going to say it much like what we just heard. It feels weird to me that this made its way into a Disney major motion picture, but maybe one or both of you will feel differently. Let's do it. I'm curious to see. It was a recipe for disaster. A four course meal of no Four course meal of no siree. <laughs> I understand what is happening in this song, though, compared to the last one. 
Like, if you're a kid, like, you know, this might be enjoyable. Right, so maybe this does nail the vibe down. Yeah. It has an emotion that it's trying to deliver, certainly. Classic bare naked ladies move right there. Alright, maybe this one's actually pretty fitting. It's upbeat, it's not getting too weird. Yeah, it's fine. It's uh I don't like it, but you know, it's it's for children. Last song was not for kids. That was like I don't know <laughs> who that was for. Yeah. It's inane and it's hacky and it's the bare naked ladies. And yeah. I think that's yeah, sort it, of it tells you what it is. Where, where they live. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But both of you would agree it's different if you imagine like Disney song, I mean even modern day Disney song in your heads, it's a little different from what you might think of, right? I think when you say Disney music, I think of um Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Something a little bit more saccharine, maybe slower for some reason. Okay, yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I don't know if this this was written. You said this was written for the film, right? For the film, yep. Special commission. It sounds like it wasn't. You know, it sounds like something that they just took off a Bare Naked Ladies album. And usually with Disney, that's not the case, even if they do get their own bespoke mm. soundtrack. So it, it, it's it's so sort of generic that I can't I can't really say one way or another. But it it doesn't offend my sensibilities if I'm. It, contextualizing it you know what i mean like it seems like something a kid All would right. not scream about and again to be fair i haven't seen the movie maybe it's like oh i can't with this montage of him on a skateboard going through the city like it couldn't be any other song i just assume that's what's happening when that song plays but maybe it's integral <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe without it the movie mm. falls apart my third choice this, this is a big one. I, I think I think both of you will f- will feel weird with this. Great. Uh, this is from a movie that I actually saw for the first time recently. I actually kind of pretty much enjoyed it. Uh, it was a fun ride. And it's, it's what you most hope for with these kinds of films. Um, the uh, much underrated, under, underperforming uh, 2002 Treasure Planet. No idea what you're talking about. You hyped that like you were about to say something that was just mind-blowing, and it was just the name of a movie. I so nobody's seen. heard of Treasure Planet here? I have not heard of Treasure Planet. All right. It was like the most expensive animated film of all time, at least at the time of its release. Uh, huge flop. Oh, yeah. It didn't deserve to flop. I think it was a pretty decent fun ride. Uh, really cool animation. It's basically like pirates in space, but they make it not too stupid based off the uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, whatever the fuck that nobody's read. But so it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like a teen uh, with like daddy issues and they're looking for a planet made of treasure and it's, uh, you know, majestic views of the galaxy and he's on the the stern of a ship. And this song plays and it's sort of a sci-fi vibe, uh, mostly just fantasy. This song is called I'm Still Here, a.k.a. Jim's Theme. By Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls. Oh. You guys fans oh, of the boy. Goo Goo Dolls? I mean, I know Iris. I remember I liked the song Iris when I was a kid. It was, you know, it was big and dramatic. I just confuse them with Matchbox 20 <laughs> and other bands. I like that, you know. Do they do Glycerine or is that... <laughs> no, that's Bush. I'm sorry. 
here we are with Goo Goo Dolls. I, my wife and I both looked at each other like, what? What are we hearing in this scene right now? Again, not necessarily a bad song, but I, we were perplexed. Did the whole, did the whole budget go to the paying the Goo Goo Dolls to write the song? <laughs> paying John Rzeznik, uh No, it went towards gorgeous animation, a blend of 2D and 3D, very artfully done. Uh, you know, it's still a kid's movie, so maybe save it for watching with the kid or whatever. But mm. I'm here to say it's, it's, it's worth checking out if you're looking for something like that. I am also here to say, and this is really the whole reason I put this episode together, uh, fuck Atlantis, The Lost Empire. The the wow. one right before Treasure Planet that hot that takes. movie fucking that movie sucks ass. Full of hot takes today. You can just take it off Spotify for this. I, Adam, you know what I'm talking about, or is that too much of a deep cut? Uh, that's a deep cut for me. I, I've never. He's just <laughs> on. He's on a soapbox, just in his own world right now. It's it's the one right after Emperor's New Groove. Uh, the screenplay fucking sucks, and the way they introduce it looks cool. <laughs> and like I had toys when I was a kid, and the monsters, whatever. It's got a great look, but. Oh, terrible writing, the way the character is introduced. Avoid it. It's, it's not like an underrated gem. I feel like you how into Disney you are because you're you're <laughs> giving me like the discography of, the you know, the <laughs> filmography. Where they, where, yeah, where they fall next to each other. You're very aware All of I'll it. say is the, the Venn diagram of stuff my wife and I can watch together when she's tired is, is very slim. So mm. <laughs> I, de- I developed uh, certain expertise maybe. But- Treasure Planet, check it out if you want. This song, I think, is kind of fucking weird, though. Curious to, to hear what you both think. Okay. What's this doing here? What do you think you'd ever say? I won't listen anyway. Oh my god. You don't know me, and I'll never be what you want me to be. And what do you think? He's really just looking for a father figure and a planet of treasure. These all kind of just strike me as unused tracks from albums. Yeah, new Disney soundtrack. In other words, like artist B-side. It's like, oh, I have this in my stockpile. Yeah, like... Yeah, I think we could stop listening to this. Okay. So weird. So Sting and uh, John Rosnick from Goo Goo Dolls. Where'd they go wrong? What what didn't they change to make their shit fit in a in Disneyland? You can't write an adult contemporary song for children. Like it just doesn't work. It's not, It's just. I, I guess if you're writing for the adults that are taking the children to the movie. But even then, if you're gonna do that, like it, it's. I just don't know what the emotion. What what emotion were they eliciting? Especially with that Sting one. That that one was just like. Granted, this, this is supposed to be some kind of science fiction movie. Ish, yeah, pirates and stuff. <laughs> it does not convey that <laughs> with with the. Yeah, I'm not uh, thinking space know, pirates when I hear that. Strange. These are all, they're strange. All of these are strange in that they're 
they they don't seem like these people are giving it their all or even considering what these songs are supposed to be for. I don't know if that's a little extreme, but it it, it that's just how it comes across, you know, like sure. they weren't they weren't given any like <laughs> you know, they weren't shown the film in any capacity or like <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I I I feel the same way. That's why I uh, picked him for today. All right, so I'm not crazy for the most part here. It sounds like you you guys are picking up what I'm putting down. No, you're a huge Disney fan, but you're you're not crazy. Ah, no. no, no. You seem like you like it a, a little bit at least. I wouldn't consider myself a Disney adult either. But hey, Emperor's New Grooves is solid buddy comedy. Treasure Planet. Uh, it's a nice, fun adventure with some good visuals. I'm not out here rewatching the whole Disney Renaissance. I'll, I'll half watch it if you're my not wife has watching uh, Aladdin in slow motion, so you can see the word "sex" and the, <laughs> the clouds of sand. And well, now I am looking at the Little Mermaid box to see the cock, and and you know, like yeah, <laughs> I got to do. Look, do a deep I have dive siblings here. who are Disney adults. Okay, honestly, those things are worth looking up. <laughs> but but my my siblings are are full-blown Disney adults. They go to Disney more than once a year, which is a lot for people that don't live on Florida or sure. California. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. There's a lot of things I don't get. I'm not here to, to judge anybody. Well, more than normal, at least. A little. Uh, yeah, we, you, a little. we're definitely here to judge. I mean, that's <laughs> sort of the point of the show. Yeah. It's kind of the premise, right? Anywho, uh, don't watch Atlantis the Lost Empire. Fuck that movie. Adam, uh, what have you been listening to this week? Listen, my opinion. Well, I've been digging and digging and digging into the wonderful, sappy, weird world of charity singles. It's uh, oh. stuff that... <laughs> <Okay>. every... <laughs> go, go on. That's such um, a good concept for an episode. There's a lot of them, by the way. I th- I start. I was listening to a few of them, and it made me interested in a few more of them. And then, as I got further and further down the rabbit hole, there is just an endless barrage of terrible, almost unlistenable ones. And there are quite a few good ones too. And it's kind of difficult to sort of pinpoint what makes these good or bad outside of their context because you know, they had a utility right like these things were yeah made with a singular purpose the ones that are the most famous are the ones from the 1980s and early 1990s i don't know if it's just me from or people our age i can't say whether or not they hold up or not but I, what i was interested in is looking to see whether or not they can live and exist outside of their initial purpose, you know, as a, as a fundraiser Mm. and sort of, you know, what makes a good one. I, there's a lot of questions they raise (laughs) beyond Mm. they're so strange. There's, and they kind of started, you go back to like telethons with Jerry Lewis in the, 50s and 60s and then the concert for bangladesh Mm. was kind of like the flashpoint you know that thing is amazing right that's got a lot of cool stuff it's got it's really good shankar 
George Harrison, Bob Dylan, who comes really up a good. lot. I do kind of like the song Bangladesh. Yeah. No. George yeah. Harrison wears the fucking coolest suit in that concert. Yes. Oh, my God. Looks yeah. like a million bucks. And uh, Ringo tries, and Bob Dylan shows up, and Leon Russell's there, and Eric Clapton is like, stop doing cocaine and not Here long I enough to, to show up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bangladesh. To I warble think, into a microphone? Jesus Christ. I don't... Re- look, I'm just going to say this right now. I don't get Clapton at all. I don't get any of this it. This is a Clapton-free zone. I don't get cream. <laughs> this podcast. Oh. Cream's okay. I do like I like cream. Sorry. I like cream, but I'm yeah. with you on everything else. Yeah, and also he's like anti-immigration. That's besides There's the point. whole yeah yeah he's uh, the whole thing with him. Yeah, he's a, he's a strange strange feller. But in the '80s, let me just uh, I'm just gonna quickly introduce this stuff. In the '80s, a uh, plucky young Irishman named Bob Geldof, who is primarily known for his distaste of Mondays <laughs> and being pink. In the film, oh, yeah. filmic the, version of The Wall, yeah. uh, he saw. <laughs> this is how Zimbabwe. Great album, it. great movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Takes That's his it. eyebrows clean off. So it's you know he's just watching the news one night and he sees a report on the BBC, one of those BBC channels about the famine uh, that's going on in Ethiopia. There's a drought, lasted for a couple of years, and so they put together all the current big pop stars of in the uk and do do they know it's christmas which i'm Mm. sure you guys know and hear and everybody hears every year i'm not going to focus on that today yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so but i in my opinion and i i think that I, 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 that one, it, it holds up well. And they redo yeah, it every few years right. and it gets worse every time they redo it. <laughs> All right. But let me just say quickly, there's a few kinds of these. Uh, there's the the We Are the World sort of, uh, do they know it's Christmas where they get a, a bunch of diverse artists in a room. They write a song, they record a song, they release a little documentary, da, da, da. And then there are ones where it's a group of artists covering a song like a, a single a song that's already a well-known quantity putting it out there and utilizing that for and almost exclusively in the 1980s it was for the famine relief in africa but there are some other things we will be covering here yeah i just wanted to try to parse whether or not these hold up or uh, outside of their original context and utility and uh, i'm gonna All right. let's do I'm it just start with with the with the granddaddy as far as I'm concerned, is it's the 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 father of of all of this. We are the world because I I think that one holds up real good and has a few interesting little tidbits about it. You know, it, it's also become a and Bob Geldof does make an appearance. Yes, uh, it's also become um, the Dylan meme that you know keeps coming back <laughs> on the internet with yeah. him looking just so confused. So uh, unhappy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Dylan looking all shifty. <laughs> he does look shifty. <laughs> he is shifty. Bruce Springsteen. Bringing it. Yeah. He really brings oh, it. They go right up in his face. Yeah. They're doing the video. It's just like all like chin, jaw. I don't, I don't love this song, but I respect that it's this many legends mm. showing up in a room and, you know, trading vote. Like it has its place. 
for sure. USA for Africa, we are the world. Well, you, you've named the two that I'm aware of, this one and Do They Know It's Christmas. Uh, so everything else, I'm looking forward to being a, a nice surprise today. But yeah, we, we should get the big boy out of the way here early. Yes, indeed. So this song was written by Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson? Yes, produced okay. by Quincy Jones. Harry Belafonte is the one who kind of got it all together. All right, we ready to rock out here? Let's do it. I don't think anyone's ever said that before this song's played, but yeah, let's do it. What decade is this from? It's perfect already. Planet 80s. 1985. There comes a time when we heed a certain call When the world must come together as one There are people dying Oh, when it's time it's your boy, to Tom. Polly boy to life. The greatest gift of all Oh, here he is. Kenny Rogers. We can't go on Pretending day by day that's someone somewhere will soon make a change. Billy Joel. We oh, yeah. Long Island represent. God's great family. And the truth, you know, love is all we need. <laughs> Look at his socks. His vocal's nice here. You know, it's smooth. I think that's, that's yeah, killer melody. Uh, killer melody and hook. It's just, I don't know. To me, it, it, it stands out, be, uh, you know, between the two really big ones as something that'll get stuck in your head forever and mm. is not as uh, annoying as the, the sort of gallopy, bouncy. <laughs> yeah, the gallop. They really got that gallop going in the other one. Yeah. And it's, it's the other dun, one, dun, it's dun, also dun, dun, dun. like... Oh, you're either starving or you're Christian is how the messaging feels a little bit. It's very like pushing, you know, not everybody gives a crap about Christmas. Yeah, do they know it's Christmas? Like, yeah. are they on the same page? <laughs> do they know about Christmas? It's a little kind of, yeah, it, uh, that that part of it doesn't age the best. We are the world. I was ready to be like, oh, this is going to be too sappy, too dated. It 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 has a place. It, that That went down smooth. I was I was surprised there. I hadn't heard it heard it in a while. Yeah, great performances. Uh, there's uh, also just a lot of like like almost everybody in there is someone who you're like, wow, they showed up for that. Yeah, that's impressive. Oddly enough, Dan Aykroyd is there for some fucking reason. <laughs> what's he do, What's he doing? Talking about aliens? I I think he just wandered in. I it honestly has makes no sense. I understand that he was part of the Blues Brothers, but like in terms of like what everybody else is, like huge pop stars in their prime. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd just don't fit in. Uh yeah, the, and there's a great documentary of the making of it. And I think that they made like 
in today's dollars, like 160 million for the charity, the charity, which is, you know, that's a lot of fucking money. Holy shit. And so it, it, it served its purpose. It didn't need to be as good as it was, is kind of my, mm. my contention mm. there. I think it would have sold any which way. You have Michael Jackson. That's he's he the probably biggest pop could star. Could have done it himself at that point, and it would have been big. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We'll take us in another direction here. All right. Well, that's kind of the shining gold standard for what we're talking about. It seems like. Yes, I'm gonna go with like sort of the hip version of "We Are the World." Uh, it's not necessarily about starving people in Africa, but it is about apartheid. It is. Are you two uh, big Bruce fans? Yeah. Are we talking about Sun City right now? Oh yes, we are. Okay. Uh, I'm yeah, aware Stevie of this song. Van I actually and, kind of enjoy this one. In terms of like lineup, it is absolutely insane. Even at least for people like us who are sort of. To me, this is a lot more alluring than the lineup of We Are the World. But Bruce is there. Stevie Van Zandt is the person who put it together. Yeah, he was not going away. Bob Dylan is there. Lou Reed is there. Miles Uh, fucking Davis is there. Oh, shit. Jimmy Cliff is there. Uh, You know, Run DMC is there. Stacked. Joey fucking Ramone is there. It's stacked. And actually, I do have the album here. There it is. Oh, man. I got, yes, Sun City. They did not like it. And the guy I bought this from left, he gave me like a, a little news clipping um, that uh, is kind of shitting on the album, which is kind of funny. You know, <laughs> They're like, this is nice and all. It's but a weird way to sell a record. Sucked. Well, uh, no, this was a, a, on eBay. The guy that I bought it from just happened to keep a news clipping from that mm. time. It's it's kind of a nice little thing, but Hall and Oates. We got Hall and Oates here. We got Pete Townsend. Holy shit. We got uh, who else? A million names. Arthur on this Baker, list. Peter Gabriel. It goes on. Bono. I know it goes on and on. George Clinton. I never heard of this. Oh, and of course, lest we forget, Bob Geldof. Sun City. I this one escapes me. Yeah, I mean, it was not played a lot on on TV because it kind of was a little more confrontational. I'm not entirely sure. They made a PBS documentary, but it didn't air. Mm. So it, it does have kind of a much more abrasive, you know, political stance. We are the world. You know, we don't want people to starve. That's a nice thing. Apartheid, we're refusing to come play in your country until you stop apartheid. Yeah. That's, that's uh, it's a little more teeth there. You know, yeah. these are pretty big guys. So I, I, I'm excited to, to hear what this sounds like. Davis right away. Super 80s right away. Oh, yeah.
they're going for it with the video. This song's kind of a mess so far. <laughs> just gonna put that out there. Yeah. It is. It's more of a call to action, and I think that's probably... The music seems secondary in a big way. Maybe. It's more of a vibe than, than a song. Right. Oh, shit. Martin Gay. There he is. Bruce. <laughs> Screaming again. Yeah. What a relic. I do. I mean, the message of this song yeah. is, I, I think, like we were saying before, it's just so much more potent. It's way more on point. Yeah, and it's it's, it's confrontational, and yeah, I think this yeah. is uh, is pretty great. I'm I'm not down with the song, but I, I like that they did this. <laughs> it doesn't have as much complexity as We Are the World, or like depth in terms of songwriting. You know, it sounds like they pretty much queued up like a, you know a drum machine and all these people come in mm. here and i mean it doesn't even sound like they were very concerned with melody at all <laughs> having said that i do really appreciate this one it's flamboyant and it's loud and it's in your face like matt was saying it, it it's pointed in in a way that was necessary for the message they were trying to get out but it you know it's kind of thin when it comes to the the song <laughs> writing itself but that's okay not everything has, to, you know, not everyone's Michael Jackson. They can't necessarily sure. write those melodies that are timeless and smooth and perfect. But uh, now we're going to get into, it is it is kind of uh, downhill from here, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, if you weren't a big fan of Sun City, that's understandable. But I think these following ones are probably going to put you off even more. And that is partially why I'm here. Uh, this, mm. this next one is, all right, think about this, like in the eighties metal, satanic panic metal is this big thing oh, parents were yeah. really scared of. Don't play the record backwards. It has evil messages. All these guys in leather. It's like people are saying that their kids are killing themselves because they're playing those records backwards. It's, it's fucking insanity. But the metal community decided to come together. I think because... They were not well represented <laughs> in these other songs, Sun City and We Are the World, etc. And uh, they put their own thing called, and this is like total dad rock shit. The band name is Here N apostrophe Aid, Here N Aid. Okay. And the song is just called Stars. Never heard of this. And it was led by Ronnie James Dio. Are we sure this isn't Grandpa Rock at this point? Oh, it certainly is. Past dad rock We're getting here. to that point in, in history. The name of the song is Stars. I swear to God, this is going to be great for listeners because at some point you just can't tell who's singing. You know, it's supposed to be this thing where one guy sings and then the other guy sings, and you know, but these they they all kind of just sound exactly the same. And I love a lot of metal. It sounds like it's a single band playing a single song that's just very long. Mm. All right. What fun. <laughs> yeah, all, all these songs are like seven minutes long. There are six guitar solos. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's what it's all about. God. Well, if you're trying to solve problems, you can't do it with one solo. 
you know? I feel like I do know what to expect here, but... Let's check it out. Uh, yeah, this, this looks like bad news here. <laughs> All right, so this is Stars by Herein Aid. I hate that name. All right, here goes nothing. <laughs> Seen a lot of big hair here. Yeah. All their voices sound the same. We've heard like from 12 people. Yeah, it kind of seems like the same guys. Two guys screaming at each other with similar voices. <laughs> What's Blue Oyster Cult doing in there? There's a couple of weird kids. I hate this kind of music and this is pretty good for what you queued us up for. Like, they're they're doing a good job here. See, I could listen to this <laughs> probably more than the other songs that we've heard, just because it's it's really fun. It's, it's focused. Yeah. They're yeah. getting the job done. Uh, oh, they all have the same hair. Ted Nugent. Get him out of there. Uh, good on that. that. That was a good choice. That's fun. Yeah, right. It, it it grows on you for sure. The first time I heard it, it was like I didn't listen to it at all. It just felt like one big sound, you know, like <laughs> just impenetrable. And it's basically Layla, right? I mean, that uh, yeah. yeah. You got me you on know? my knees. <laughs> it is. It's fun though, and but uh, like. They they keep saying where stars where yeah, stars that's, that's I, not the point of the know. charity single what's that did they just make yeah. it about themselves yeah where we yeah, are stars I, I guess they keep saying where should be like <laughs> you should like, contribute fire and ice but and, also I'm the man we you've heard of us yeah yeah they they were very very <laughs> I don't know if it was braggadocio or like missing like the context of the lyrics or something. something. I've read them. They it just seems like a lot of metal cliches. You know what I mean? Like mm. big like time. a hit and steal. The the sky is parting. The ice is there and the fire's there and the thunder, mm. etc. Uh, Ted Nugent's there. You know what it seems like to me? Like if you watch the whole thing and Spinal Tap is there. By the way, that's all uh, I was gonna ask as a joke. There we go. That's awesome. That's, yeah, a lot cooler than Neil Schoen from Journey. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of struck me the whole thing and the documentary as like a really long. You guys ever watch the Ben Stiller show? Yes. Oh yeah, like it's like old a sketch, sketch comedy yeah. show. Yeah, it's like a Ben Stiller show sketch. It, it's just like all these really pompous people with their really big hair screaming about how awesome they are to raise money for for charity. <laughs> Do you, yeah. Did it work? It's Do you know a, how well the, the fundraising did? Well, it seems like it was not nearly as popular as these other songs, as you can just tell by the YouTube counts. Mm. I didn't get any hard numbers on it, but they said they raised money. So I, I think it was in the hundreds okay. of thousands of dollars. I mean, there's a lot of big names there, so it was something. That's true, nothing. yeah. There were a lot of people. Like You absolutely could not tell listening to it, but like every single line was sung by a different frontman from a band I had heard of, at least. Like It was bang, bang, one after another. Yeah, you don't notice just how similar they sound, right? Until you see them in that order. Until <laughs> so you realize it's a different person, yeah. Um, well, are we uh, are we closing strong here for this last pick? What, where are we going? Where does it go from here? <laughs> there was a few more that were very cheesy, kind of just sounded like Folgers coffee commercials. <laughs> but I'm not going to go that way. I'm just going to show you this bizarre track that lasted on the UK charts for five weeks. And it is in the the metal, the vein of metal, because it's the guy from Iron Maiden, right? And uh, the singer Bruce Dickinson, and it's his collaboration with Mr. Bean for uh, oh, <laughs> for man. comic relief, which they do every year. You know, he sounds like he should be on that Stars song. He's not, but he sounds like he should be. And yeah, I'll just let the song speak for itself. It's uh, supposed to be some kind of commentary on the upcoming election thatcher was going out someone's coming in but i can't make heads or tails of it so i'm gonna let you guys do it. how do you have a musical single with mr bean the famously silent comedy star no 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 he talks mr bean should not open his mouth are you kidding a- me Mr. Bean made an exception for this particular oh, project. Fuck. Once in a while, he makes a funny noise. Oh, all right. Wow. This, this is a strange land we're wandering into here. I want to be elected. Bruce Dickinson and Mr. Bean. Lordy. All right, we're we're closing strong. Let's let's see what this is all this about. This is crazy. I can't believe I've never heard of this, that it's not like, you know, around. Hello, voters. My name's no. Bean, Mr. Bean, and I want to be elected. Right out the gate. Oh, it's just generic metal so far, at least. What is this pairing? This is crazy. This is a crazy combination. Won't be. If I'm elected, growing a beard. This blows. <laughs> 
This is for charity. What charity? <laughs> I'm going to make all I'm so confused now. Comic relief. <laughs> It's hard to understand what the lyrics are, or is that just me? Like, I feel like the point is you want to make the message very clear and understandable. And I'm just hearing shrieking. I've watched it like ten times. I have no fucking clue what this is supposed to be. <laughs> So much being talked about. Wow. That's one of the crazier things I think we've had on the show. Just, I'm disoriented now. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of it. For the listeners, Mr. Bean is mostly canvassing door to door, people slamming the doors in his face. And we just closed on a clip of him putting a Q tip in a baby's face. Very strange. <laughs> so. Cha- for charity, for charity. Well, of course, it's for, for charity, charity yeah, folks. Sorry, we did, yeah, that was wow, it confounding. Was confounding. Yeah, I kind of don't. I really don't know what to make of that. It seems like we, if it's a vehicle for like one person, and then you, other people join up with that artist, it seems like that is a successful way of doing things. It seems like when there's actually collaboration here, um, or things are sort of spread evenly, that it can be a disaster. I don't know. That's that's something I'm taking away from the songs that you brought in. Like We Are the World is like basically Michael Jackson just doing his thing. You know, we talked about Bob Geldof, that song being successful, but that's like his vision. Like when it's one artist driving the thing, it seems to work. But if there's some sort of democracy, it's uh, complicated. This has been, uh, I mean, if we're talking about what we learned this week, this has been highly educational. I'd never really stopped to examine the criteria of an effective charity song, you know, just beyond the obvious and most important metric of how much money you make, but just like, you know, you want to have some amount of musical quality, but how do you also like embed your message in a way that's coherent and effective and maybe hopefully timeless? And yeah, some some interesting ranges of examples here. Very, very, uh, very intriguing this week. And going back to your earlier, yeah, I mean, I never even thought about this. Uh, going back to your earlier point about can any of these songs work outside of the context of the event? I don't know if any of them today can. I mean, even, like We Are the World comes the closest because that hook just gets jammed into your noggin. Mm. But I think beyond that chorus, I don't think any of this music <laughs> can live outside of the context of the event. And one of the reasons I like Bangladesh is because I think I could listen to that song and, and you know, not only associate it with that mm. one experience yeah especially if you hear that as a young person don't necessarily even you know bangladesh has so much good music on it not just the song right. the album has so much good music on it it's it doesn't hit you over the head with things it's not so grandiose in terms of ambition and scope mm. you know like the song now i'm right. talking about you know it's not a seven and a half minute 50 people singing it's it probably just comes down to the fact that time and space does not really look kind upon something that is so specific to an era you know yeah you know every time they try to be iterated on they just seem to lose that whatever momentum they once had and they i don't know 
they kind of die off. But mm. they're in, they're curios for sure. And for me, that at, like once they start existing as a genre, then they become sort of interesting again. It's like a cycle. It's like oh, there's this whole bizarre subculture of songs that all these different people came together and made and probably don't even consider part of their discography, you know? And I think in that context now, as a niche sort of curio, they, they exist in in a way that can be enjoyed by fucking weirdos. Sure. That's what this podcast is all about. (laughs) Succinctly put. Except for that Mr. Bean one. Yeah, no, that's going to be enjoyed by no one. Well, uh, as we cruise into the uh, the end of this episode here, I'm wondering if uh, I myself have nothing to plug. Uh, do either of you anything you want to give a shout no, out to? The holidays, just the, the holidays, holidays coming up. I'm just excited to get some time with the family and not be working. Hell yeah, brother! <laughs> you can check out my book on charity singles, which will be coming out mm-hmm. in three oh, months. House. Yeah. No, thank you guys so much for having me on. This is a blast. Yeah, man. I learned a lot today. <laughs> about obscure Disney tracks that I wasn't aware of. More than we wanted. And I'm sorry to inflict this music on you. I've, it's been an arduous episode. I'll say it's not, this is not, <laughs> this is not, it's not been an easy listening experience. You know, sometimes we get a segment where one person's like, oh, here's like, here's just the enjoyable stuff. And then we get another person who's kind of the heavy, you know, today we had two bad cops, yeah. essentially. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, hopefully that didn't scare the listener off from uh, wanting to to listen to further future episodes, uh, which, of course, go ahead and subscribe on your platform of choice to make sure you catch uh, every next installment. That said, uh, Matt and I are taking the next couple of weeks off uh, for the holidays. Uh, We're going to be back January 10th. But in the meantime, if you want to uh, follow Losing My Opinion on social media, you got uh, at Losing My Opinion on Instagram, TikTok, and X. 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 So sexy. It is. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of Twitter. <laughs> and, you know, I uh, Google Dolls, you know, maybe missed the mark a little bit with their uh, Disney soundtrack contribution. And I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. Are you going to put a bunch of synth behind that? Nope. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I'll say so long, suckers. And I, we won't see you next week. We'll see you in a few weeks. See you in the new year. Have a great holiday experience. We love you. <laughs>